Let us turn to the Word of God. Three verses are going to frame the direction that I want us to go in today. Um, Let me give them to you quickly. I'll be in 2 Corinthians 5, Hebrews 11, and Isaiah 42. If you have a brick-and-mortar Bible, a paper Bible, you may want to find your way through that. I'm going to read them quickly. I'm going to start in 2 Corinthians 5, 6. I think it won't take you long to pick up on a theme as we read these brief passages. 2 Corinthians 5, verses 6 and 7. By the way, be reminded, yellow means what? Right. So we are, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For, and one more time, for we, Flipping over to Hebrews chapter 11, which is, of course, known to us as the faith chapter. It's a listing of heroes of the faith. It uses verbiage like, by faith, uh, Moses did this. By faith, Noah did that. By faith, Abraham. By faith, this happened. By faith, that happened. The list is pretty expansive of those who accomplished great things for God by faith. It's basically letting us know that we are certainly, as believers, we don't walk by the eyeballs in our head we walk by the eyeballs of our spirit. Hebrews 11:1 1 says this, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and it is How can you be sure about something that you can't see? We're going to talk about that. We walk by faith, not by sight. We have assurance about what we do not see. Anybody seeing a thread here of commonality? You you will. Then go with me to Isaiah 42, 16. When reading from the Amplified Bible, it says this. And I will bring the blind by a way that they know not. I will lead them in paths that have not been known. I will make darkness into light before them and make uneven places into a plain. These things I have determined to do for them and I will not leave them forsaken. These three short passages set our direction for the morning. I don't know about you, I can speak for me. By the way, this message is something that is still um, being formed and worked through in the life of your pastor. But there are some areas of my life, areas of my leadership in the church, areas of my role in my family, where it can easily feel like I am living blind and I'm walking in blindness because I can't always see what lies ahead. I don't know how God is necessarily going to get us through. I don't know what's just around the corner. I don't know what's just about to happen. But I want to convince you in the next few minutes, you may not like it, but it's my, my um, goal this morning to convince you that living blind is not such a bad thing. Now, without a doubt, I prefer to see, and I'm sure you would say the same, I prefer to see uh, both physical and metaphorical sight 
is extremely important to me. I, I, I like to be able to see what's around the corner. I like to foresee something that's about to happen. It allows me to brace for it. It allows me to prepare, and it makes me feel more comfortable. I feel more assured when I know what's happening in our finances. When I know what's happening in my life, I feel more uh, confident when I know what's happening in relationships, when I know what's happening in the church. And certainly, this last year has challenged that more than probably any other year. Because the reality of it is this. I don't know what the church looks like post-COVID, and nobody else does either. Not a pastor that I know knows what it's going to look like. I don't know if everybody's coming back. I wish those who have not come back would let us know. We're doing our best to reach out to everybody. I, we respect and honor that if you're not back in the house of the Lord with us, we know that some need to be making that decision. We, we don't question that. We just wish we could hear from you because we're, we're, we're a family church here at Bethesda. I, I don't know what the Christian music is going to look like post-COVID that I've worked in for 35 years, and if there's even going to be choirs left to sing any arrangements that I, by the grace of God, have, uh, have developed and, and made available through publishers over the years. I don't know. There's so much uncertainty. There's never been a time in our life when we have less footing than we have today. So many things we don't know. I don't, I don't know what the economy is going to look like in 2021. I don't know what the stock market's going to do tomorrow. I don't know what our nation is going to look like, certainly, in 2021 and beyond. And somehow, I feel confident that you, most of you, would say the same thing about aspects of your life, and that is, we live in very uncertain times. If that's true for you, would you say amen? amen. I, uh, <clears throat> I don't often take this path in presenting a message to you, but, but um, to get this point across, I'm going to need a volunteer who will help me preach this ser- sermon this morning. Are there any volunteers? Interesting, not one. You're not the one I'm looking for. The head of the finance committee? No, I don't want him preaching this sermon. Let's see, um, a few of you sort of, where is, um, where is Grafton Hernsberger? Are you here? Stand up, Grafton, if you're here. I think he looks like a fine volunteer. Run up here, come on, get up here. Come on, run up here. I said run up here, come on. Fine young student of Bethesda Christian School. How you doing, Grafton? Good. You nervous? Very, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you should be. Okay. Uh, go back down to the bottom of the stairs, right there. You're going to help me preach this sermon. Uh, turn around, face the crowd. <clears throat> I want you to put this blindfold on. Okay. We bought it special yesterday, just for you. Make sure you cannot see. Can you see anything? No, sir. You don't see a thing. You don't see anything. Can he see? Okay, let's do this. Go back the other way, bend over. Okay, stay right there. (laughs) 
Grafton, I'm back up on the platform. I want you to come back up here with me. Point number one, if you're taking notes, when you're blind, your pace will slow down. <clears throat> you doing okay? <laughs> did you notice a difference in the first time he ran up here and what he just did? Did you notice it? First time I asked him to run up here and jump up here, and he did it confidently. He's young, he's spry, he bounced up here. But the second time, he had to think about it. Um, he had to slow down his mind. He had to think about where he was and where he needed to be. And he, he didn't just come running right up here like, like he did before. Now, one of the reasons, church, that you're better off blind or that sometimes God keeps you blind is because if you weren't blind, you would run too fast. And you would try to get things done too quickly. And you would miss some things that you need to do or know in the process. Sometimes, church, God keeps us in the dark on purpose. He keeps us blind to what his plan is going to be because here's the truth. When you're blind and you can't see, you lose confidence in yourself and you gain confidence in the Lord. Is there an amen? amen. So first time, he, you know, he, didn't, he just hopped up here. He didn't have to think twice about it. It's like, I got this. He jumped up and he was using his eyeballs and he, his eye-hand-foot, you know, eye-foot coordination got right up here. When he was blind, he had to take a different pace. He had to slow down, he had to think about it, that, that he, what he had to think about, what he'd not thought about before the first time. I could be wrong about this, but it has seemed to me that the word fast is not in God's vocabulary. Have you noticed that? those of you who've lived some years. All too often, God is taking me on a journey, and almost every time it is way slower than I want it to be. I want to get there, but I have had to learn this over the years. It is <clears throat> never about the destination. It's about the journey. You and I are focused on the destination. We want to get there. God is focused on the process and the journey and all of the things are going to happen along the way. He's trying to teach us some things on the journey that, and it seems necessary for him to slow us down to learn. I remind you of a very familiar passage in Isaiah which has a hook on the end of it that I always miss and maybe you've missed it also. <clears throat> Isaiah 28, 16. Therefore, thus says the Lord our God, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone, you know this, for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. And here's the hook that goes like this. Read it to me. I never saw that before. I've sung the song, I lay in Zion. For, I've sung that for years. Whoever believes will not act hastily. The Bible is simply saying this. Jesus is the cornerstone. He is the firm foundation. And anybody who believes in Jesus will not be hurried. You won't act too quickly. Why? Because you know and you believe that his pace is the right pace. 
And I don't need to figure out God's job for him. I need to slow down. And sometimes God blindfolds me for sure because I will slow down. And in my slowing down, guess what? I become more aware of my surroundings. I become more sensitive to other people around. I take time to see things I would not otherwise see. And I am more in tune with what God is saying and what he is doing in that moment. That's why I think that it's okay to live blind Because if I'm blind, then I'm 100% dependent upon God's timing and God's purposes. Can I get an amen? Grafton, I have another task for you. Um, I'm going to take your arm right here, and you're going to come over here with me. And I'm going to turn you around. Yeah, uh, Turn a little more to your left, just a tad bit more to your left. Yeah, there you go. Uh, You're standing on that side of the stage. I'm going to ask you in a moment to walk to the other side of the stage. (laughs) But there are some obstacles on this stage that you can't see. I may have even added some, okay? You can't see, right? Okay, good. Some obstacles on the stage that you can't see. By the way, there's a lot of really expensive equipment up here. If you break it, I'm going to make you pay for it. (laughs) On the other side of the stage is a drum kit. And I need you to walk over there and be careful that you don't hit any of the obstacles along the way. So go ahead. Okay, stop. Point number two. When you're blind, you will do just what he did. You will reach out your hands for stabilization. Okay, you can stand right there. He instinctively, he took a couple of steps But instinctively, and I was waiting for that moment, he put his arms out, reaching his arms out. Why? Because I told him there were obstacles, and he just immediately started doing this. He started reaching out. He's looking for stability. He's looking to be sure nothing's going to hit him. It was a, a sense of automatic protection for himself, that he'd, something that he could be sure of, some sort of clarity that he was okay along the way, and we are wired that way. As humans, we need some sort of understanding. We need clarity. We, we need to be assured that we are, we are okay. And when God blindfolds you, do you know what you do? You start reaching out for some sort of stability. And the caution to us all is that you must be very careful where you reach for your stability. Many people will look to the media who sit and watch cable news all day long. Newsflash, you will not find stability there. Some will reach out to friends, and there are friends who can help you, not all of them, because you're trying to find stability, because you're blind, you can't see your way. And sadly, many people reach out to social media. When's the last time you felt edified getting off of social media? (laughs) Some of you will start reaching out for just about anything and everything to make you feel more comfortable, whatever that is to make you feel better about yourself. You've gotta have something. Because you're blind, you don't know where you're going. You, 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 you're reaching out. Because when we are blind and don't understand what God is doing, we start reaching out. And every one of us know the passage in Proverbs 3, but trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your, in all your ways, 
Some versions say submit to him and he will direct your paths. You will try to lean on something. That is assured. You will. And if you really want to break it down to its core, it's because we want to be in control. We need to feel in control. When you run into somebody who is controlling, you want to know probably why they're doing that? They don't feel safe. Whoever in your life that is a control freak, when you wade through the stuff, they probably don't feel safe, which is why they had this compulsion to control. Grafton wanted to be in control of his own situation. He didn't want to fall on his face in front of all of us, make a fool of himself. I applaud him for that. He wanted to be able to control the situation and accomplish the, do what his pastor asked him to do without embarrassment, so he began to reach. And when you're blind, you begin to reach. Proverbs 16, 9 says, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Grafton knew he needed to get to the other side of the stage, but he needed somebody to direct his steps. Grafton, do you trust me? an appropriate answer. <laughs> you know I've known you for a long time. Yeah. You were a little squirt when you first were around here. And I knew you even before then. Known your mom and daddy a long time. They're dear friends of mine. Uh, I think you can trust me. But let me ask you something. Take, um, take three steps straight ahead. Turn to your left. How far do you think it is to the edge of the platform? Guess. I'll say like six feet. Okay, six feet. I want you to take four steps forward. Stop. (laughs) Go back. Those are pretty brave steps you took, you know that, right? <laughs> You notice how quickly he went back, it's because he'd been there before. It's sometimes really easy to go back when it's a place that you've known. I know what that feels like. I'll go back there, that's why he's doing that so well. I'm gonna ask you to, um, you're kinda messing up my plan here with this part. <laughs> Take three steps forward. Stop. I was expecting you to take baby steps. But you took very confident, bold steps. So back up. Um, Turn to your left and take about five steps forward. Stop. Turn around, go to your right one step. Mm, It was too big, come back a little bit. (laughs) Take two small steps back, okay. Oh shoot. (laughs) Dave Davis, would you come and be my volunteer? (laughs) Squat down. I'm t- you're talking to you. Squat down carefully. 
but you knew there was a chair there, didn't you? I should have rehearsed this. I thought spontaneous would work, but... You know, sometimes when I'm talking with the Lord, I'll say, God, if you'll set everything up for me, I will go. And I think God is saying, no, you go, and I'll set everything up. God is more moved, Bethesda, by our obedience than our ability to see. I think you miss that. God is more moved by your obedience than he is impressed with your ability to see. I think God is more moved by our our obedience when we can't see anything. And the Lord says to us over and over again, do you trust me? And I think too many of us give Grafton's answer. Yeah. Sometimes. God is always wanting to know, do we trust him? Okay, Grafton, stand up, please. I've got the next point. Um, Walk forward with me here. Come over here, and I'm going to take your left arm. You're you're, you're good. I'm going to bring you over here. Okay, I want you to turn around. And turn around again, turn to your left. Um, let's remove that chair, okay? Grafton, take 20 steps forward. Wait, 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 wait. Did you know that voice? What did he say? (laughs) Grafton, next time we'll rehearse this, okay? Did you know the voice? You didn't. And you were willing to do, take 20 steps forward, (laughs) listening to a voice you did not know. Am I right? Okay. Anybody getting the point here? Um... Grafton, take five steps forward. You don't know that voice either. Okay, turn a little bit to your left. Turn slightly to your left. You kind of got off course. Grafton? I need you to take three giant steps backwards. Now, why did you do that, Grafton? (laughs) Do you get it? (laughs) 
The third reason it's okay to live blind, for those of you taking notes, is when you're blind, your ear will listen. And this may be the most important one. Because whenever you lose one sense, your other ones become more heightened, more in tune. And what I've noticed in my life over and over again is whenever I feel the most blind to what my future holds, that's when I listen more intently to the voice of God in a way that I would not otherwise have done. It's okay to be blind. I think the reason that God might put blindfolds on us is because when we can't see with our natural eyes what God is doing, we are more in tune with our spiritual ears to hear the voice of the Lord and what he is saying. Psalm 119 says this, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts, therefore I hate every wrong path. And that well-known next verse, verse 105 says this, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light to my path. If I'm honest with you, I would love to rewrite that verse because I wish it said this, your word is a spotlight for me. I bet I'm not the only one. But it doesn't say that. It says your word is a lamp and not an LED lamp. The lamp the psalmist speaks of was like a candle, if you study it and look at it, fueled by olive oil, not a lot of light from it. I think the Lord is saying that his word is going to give you just enough light to show you your next step. He's not going to light up the whole path. He's not going to show you a mile down the road. He's not going to show you the terrain. He's he's not going to show you the elevation. He's he's not going to show you what dangers lie ahead. He is, however, going to give you just enough light to take the next step. So for those of you who walked in this house today feeling blind, feeling insecure, feeling unsure about tomorrow, having no idea what's going to happen, Remember, his word is a lamp unto your feet. It's just enough to take the next step. How many are thankful for it today? It is better for us to live blind because God wants our journey to be taken one step at a time. And we are so much more in tune with what he's saying when we're blind. Now, I'm sure that the verse I'm about to quote to you came to your mind a while ago when Grafton heard the voice of his dad. Because John 10, 27 says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Why? Because they know my voice. So I'm here to tell you today that though you may feel totally and utterly blind, you can be more dependent in that condition, more dependent upon God than you have ever been before. Is there a hallelujah? (laughs) Grafton, you can take your blindfold off and you did a great hand, come on. Did a great job. Give him a good hand. Let me give you one more before, before we close today. And that's not your signal to get up and walk out. It's okay to live blind. Let me give you a fourth reason. <clears throat> a change in my sight, this is kind of tricky. A change in my sight sheds light that maybe I'm not right. A change in my sight sheds light that maybe I'm not right. It has a nice, cute little rhyme to it, doesn't it? Let me show you an example of sometimes when you can't see how God actually will use this to get your attention. I can't think of a better one than Acts chapter 9, verse 1. It's when Paul 
Who goes on to write the majority of the New Testament. This is when he's being introduced to Jesus. And I want to remind you of how God got his attention. Acts uh, chapter 9. Meanwhile, Saul, he was then known as Saul, was uttering threats with every breath, and he was eager to kill the Lord's followers. Now, when we read that, we think, oh, bad Saul, bad Saul. But can I just remind you something that maybe we don't always understand here? Saul thought he was doing the work of God. That's what he thought he was doing. He could not believe that a crucified body was, was the promised Messiah. That just did not mesh with his enormous Jewish background. A Jew of all Jews. He, so he believed he was doing the work of God by, 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 uh, by persecuting these Christ followers. How could they possibly do this? Well, keep that in mind. So he was uttering threats with every breath, was eager to kill the Lord's followers, so he, he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way, Christ's followers, he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground. He heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you, must, and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but they didn't see anybody. So Paul picked himself up off the ground, but... So his companions led him because he couldn't see by the hand to Damascus. Now, I don't know about you, but as I read that now today, I can see him just being blind. I can see it. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. Here's the question. How did Jesus get Saul's attention? He made him blind. He got Saul's attention by affecting the way he saw Selah. And Paul discovered that becoming blind was actually what made him able to see. Get it. God said, I'm going to reveal the truth to you by striking you blind. So what does that say to you and to me today in this unique season that you and I are in, in this still early 2021 having survived all that we've survived in the last 12 months. What's it saying to us? God said, I'm going to reveal the truth to you by striking you blind because the key to this story with Saul and maybe the key to the story with you is this. Blindness made Saul better. It was blindness that caught his attention enough to turn his affections back to Jesus to become better. God used this to get his attention. All that to say, I don't know about you, talking about Dan, I'm coming to the place where I'm realizing that I'm a better man when I'm blind. If I'm honest, I have to confess to you that 90% of my prayers are asking God to reveal stuff to me. God, just show me this, just, just tell me, just, just do it, just help me get there, help me get to, just help me get to wherever, and it's as if God is saying, no, Dan, things go better when you're blind.
and you have to take one step at a time because you walk by faith and not by sight. You're a better pastor, Dan, when you're blind. You're a better husband, Dan, when you're blind. And it feels like God says, I've noticed hmm, that you depend upon me more when you're blind than when you can see. I've seen this all through my life. Every time that I began to get a little bit of vision of my own from my life, God would strike me blind in a, in a good way. I could take you, I won't, but I could take you all the way back to my high school days when I was developing a plan for my life. I liked it, it was a great plan, I thought, and God struck me blind. You know what? I had to slow down my pace. I had to reach my, my hands out to stabilize myself. And I had to tune my ear to better hear his voice. So it happened when he struck me blind. Now, there were many similar experiences from then until now, most of them, I'd prefer not to talk about publicly. But every time, every time God struck me blind, I had to slow down my pace. I had to reach to find my way of being stabilized, something I could, felt secure enough for me to take the next step. And every time I had to tune my ear to better hear his voice. Because you see, church, all of my plans were playing off of my desire for comfort. All of my plans had somehow that as the end goal. Comfort, security, maybe a few other things, but that's basically what, what was there. All of my plans were designed to be sure that I was comfortable and could stay that way. But every time I leaned into my comfort, every time God strikes me blind, and I have to slow down my pace, reach out my hands, and tune my ear. The year 2010 came along. I was preparing for Becky and I to move to Nashville. It's a lovely city, lots of friends there for me to continue my music career after Pastor Des would retire. It was a great plan, wonderful plan. It would have been a very comfortable thing for us to do. And you know what? God struck me blind. Oh boy, did he strike me blind. Again. And then we moved from 2010 on into 2011, whereupon Pastor Des resigned in January of that year. Can you believe that's been over 10 years now? And then my head and my heart exploded at what appeared was about to take place. And you know what? That's what had to happen. And I am convinced now more than ever. <laughs> You're not going to like this. I'm convinced now more than ever that God is obsessed with making us uncomfortable. That's my testimony. And so I've began saying, Lord, okay, that's the plan. 
I'm actually wanting to reach the point of becoming comfortably uncomfortable. Because when I'm uncomfortable, when I'm blind, when I have no idea what's going on, my pace is slowed, my hands reach, and my ears listen, I have found it is the best place to be. God wants your attention, and he will blind you if he has to in order to get it. And probably just like me, you will cry, foul, unfair. God, how could you? I've been faithful. I've tithed, I've done everything. It's just not fair, and you blinded me. It's responses I've had. But we have to be in tune with what he's saying and what he wants to do in our life. Because I can tell you this, I have reached this grand old age with this testimony. Everything that I've orchestrated on this earth has failed in terms of life. Everything that he has orchestrated has succeeded. I don't know what your testimony is, but the things I schemed, the plans I made, went reduced to nothing, and I'm so glad they did. Everything I have schemed and planned, orchestrated, if I can use that metaphorically, has failed. Everything he has orchestrated for my life has succeeded. And every time I become so focused on needing to see, God takes the blindfold of life, puts it across my head, so that I am completely and utterly dependent upon him to work it out. Would you bow your heads with me in prayer? Just very quickly, who is saying today by uplifted hand, Pastor Dan, would you please pray for me? I, I feel like I've been struck blind and I need God's grace to trust him more. Is that anybody in the house today? If it is, would you lift your hand? Okay, many hands, every section. You can put them down. We said it earlier. God, you're faithful. And on these moments when we get struck blind by the situations of life, we thank you that we can lean into the fact that you are faithful to us. Morning by morning, new mercies we see. All we have ever needed, your hand has provided. You give strength for today, for that tiny step we're gonna take today and bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings all mine with 10,000 beside. So I lift my voice and Bethesda lifts its voice today to say, great is your faithfulness to us, O God. So for those who are walking the path and discovering that they are blind. Give them grace, Lord Jesus, to walk in obedience to your word, in obedience to the still small voice that you are speaking to them. Lord, certain names are flashing before my mind right now. I'm asking special grace for those who are in very, very difficult times right now. Give them grace, Lord Jesus. I commit them to you in Jesus' name. 